John chapter 15. So, how many of you would consider yourself to be techies? Somewhat into tech, tech you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there. I know I'm, I know I'm a techie, but yet I know I'm not as techie as others, okay? Uh, there are people that understand it way more than I do, and I know that I understand it way more than a lot of people as well. For instance, my father. My mom and dad, bless their hearts, they have an iPad, you know, and they have a laptop. And they do their best to really get into those two things. And, you know, dad loves looking at, he just thinks it's wonderful that you can pull up a news uh, paper, you know, on, on the web. But uh, since I'm kind of the techie of the family, I receive calls from other family members. My computer's not working, you know. Well, what'd you do to it? That's my first question. What'd you do to it? Because normally that's the problem, right? It's an operator error. But anyway, he calls and he said, I, I got a problem. And I said, what, what, what is it? He goes, uh, Google's gone. It's just gone. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> where'd it go? <laughs> he said, Google is just gone. And I said, so it's not on your desktop? Well, I'm sitting at the dining room table. <laughs> We're not even speaking the same language here. Uh, and obviously what had happened, somehow he had dragged his Google icon to the trash. Uh, so we figured it out, you know. But then, it's not only just that. I, <laughs> I wasn't going to share this, but I have to. So I'm there uh, visiting with them, and he, and he tells me they've got this wireless printer. And it's not working. And he said, it worked initially, but it's not working any longer. And I said, well, it's just lost the connection. And I said, uh, where's your disk that came with it? Because we just need to reload that. And go, I didn't get a disk. Well, OK, I can probably get it off the internet. Where's the cord? You know that, no, I don't know of any other cord. OK, well, we need to get a cord. So I will, I'm going to the town close by where Chris's sister lives. I'll just pick up a cord for you. And um, so I did. I picked it up, brought it back, hooked it up. Everything's working. I'm thinking, great. You know, that, that's another catastrophe, you know, eliminated. But he says to me, so all those things that I've been trying to dump to the printer, where'd they go? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, it's a wireless printer. They're going out there somewhere. It's just that it didn't, the printer didn't receive it. So they're still out there. Well, I'm thinking maybe, Dad, that up at the gas station, the guy just got a receipt, and it's one of Mom's recipes. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. <laughs> but I say these or share these stories because we're talking about being connected, aren't we? In a techie sort of ways, certainly, but being connected. What does it mean to be connected? In this high-tech world, are you connected? I know that some of you uh, are on Facebook. I think some of you are Facebook friends of mine. Uh, there's email, there's Twitter, there's YouTube, there's all these things out there that we're connected with other people, with different organizations. And so we're able to keep up on the news, the weather, family, friends, and, and that's a good thing. What, you know, what's going on as it happens up to the minute even, right? You can get a flash news bulletin that says this or that has happened or something's going on. And so we're connected in that way. But what are we connected to? 
what's the most important thing for us to be con connected to? I think we would all agree our most important connection in life is our connection with the Lord. Trusting in Him, relying upon Him, resting in Him, knowing Him, believing in Him. And that's accomplished by being in constant contact with Him, being connected to Him. So in all the things in our daily lives that we are connected to, the question for us this morning is, are you, am I, connected with God? You can have 300 friends on Facebook, but what's your relationship with the Lord of the book? And it's been said before that it's possible to know the Word of God and yet not know the God of the Word. To know the Word of God and not know the God of the Word. Do you know Him? Are you connected to Him? We saw in our previous study in chapter 14, that was a message of hope. Uh, there's, that Jesus will prepare a place for us in heaven. It was a message of love that Christ chose, His unconditional love for each and every one of us. And it was a message of peace. The love and hope that we have in Jesus Christ gives us peace. And it was a message of obedience we saw. Christ calls us to obedience in Him. And it was a message of help. We spent quite a bit of time on that, that Christ gives to us the Holy Spirit to help us to love Him and to be obedient to Him. We need that helper. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives helping us to draw us closer to and to remain in, connected to the love of Jesus Christ. It's called a relationship with Him. It's called abiding in Him, abiding in Him continually, relationship with Him continually. Abiding, relationship. What does it mean to have relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to see in our text today that the word abide is used 10 times in these 11 verses. I'm thinking it's an important word. What do you guys think, huh? Abide. Webster's defines it as to stay or live somewhere, to remain or continue. My own personal definition taken away from this is a continual connection with Him. Continual connection with Him. If we know, if we believe, if we say we love Jesus, we are to be abiding in Him. We are to have relationship with Him. We are to be obedient to Him. And when we're not being obedient, <laughs> the power of His Holy Spirit convicts us and we know we've fallen short, we know that we've messed up, we've sinned, and we go to Him and ask for forgiveness, staying connected in that way. Why? It's the very reason that He died on the cross for us, so our sins could be forgiven. It says, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us because we were such wonderful people, right? He died for us because He loved us, and we were sinners, and we needed a Savior. He died for us because He loved us that much. And we, as believers, we've just responded to that love, right? That message of love that He has for us, as believers, we responded to that love, recognizing what He's done for us. Trusting in Him as our Savior, trusting in His finished work on the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14 says, In Him you also trusted 
after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Two words that stand out in there are sealed. We have His Holy Spirit as believers. And it's a guarantee of our inheritance. It's guaranteed. Now, have you ever seen anything in Scripture that alludes to the fact that God goes back on His guarantees? Nowhere. You will find that nowhere. So if we're sealed by Him, we have that guarantee that we are in Him forever. Amen? Would we all agree with that? So as a means of guaranteeing His promises to those who have received Jesus Christ, God has sealed them. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. Every believer is given the very Holy Spirit of God the moment he trusts in Christ. And that's important for us to remember because whatever we're going through, whatever's going on in our lives, the one thing that we can always trust in that will always be a constant in our connection with the Lord is that His Holy Spirit is with us to guide us, to counsel us, to teach us, to further equip us, to rebuke and correct. You know, we don't always like to hear those, but we need that as well, don't we? Romans 8, 9 says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, of Christ, he is not his. So the true, the, the indicator, the measuring rod, if you will, as to whether or not we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we're connected to Jesus Christ, is what? Is His Holy Spirit living in us? When a person becomes a Christian, you and I, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. He moves in. And as He moves in, He might not like quite the way that we've got our house decorated, right? <laughs> He may want to purge out some of the 50s furniture. I know most of you wouldn't even know that term, 50s furniture, because we're all younger than that. But still, he might want to take some, move some things out in our lives that are there that he sees as, you know, that's kind of junk. Let, let's get that out of there and let's move in love. Let's move in the gifts of the Spirit uh, to reside there instead. So life in Jesus Christ is different because the Spirit of God is now within us. He's there to empower us, to equip us for ministry, and function through the gifts that He's given us. They're His gifts. He gives them to us, and He works through those gifts uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, as we saw, is our helper and our advocate. He protects and He encourages. He also guarantees our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 16-17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The Spirit of God is our security, our guarantee. Now the sealing, the sealing of which Paul speaks here, refers to an official mark of identification that was placed on a letter, a contract, or an important document during those days. The seal was made from hot wax, which was placed on the document, and then it had the impression of what was called a signet ring that went on that, and it was unique to that individual. I'm sealing this uh, with my signet ring that this is an official document coming from me. So the document was thereby, thereby officially identified with and under the authority of the person 
to whom the signet belonged. And that's the idea behind our being sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise. Think about yourself as hot wax sealed with the Holy Spirit. We belong to Him. We are owned by Him. So this morning we're going to look at and focus on what it means to abide. To abide in Him means we have relationship with Him. We recognize His authority in our life. We recognize the love that He has for us. We recognize that we need constant communication with Him. We need to remain in Him. We know that what it's like when we're not, don't we? we? We use the phrase, Oh, brother, I'm going through a dry time right now. Well, why are you going through a dry time? You haven't been soaked with the, with the Holy Spirit, connected with the Holy Spirit to water you, to be moisturized, if you will, in the Holy Spirit. That's why you're dry. So if I'm dry, where do I need to go? I need to go to the well, don't I? Go to the well and get some water in that communication with him. So there is a, without a doubt, a direct connection, an absolute connection between being dry and not being connected to God, right? So in order to be <laughs> fruitful in our lives, in order to be built up in our lives, we need that constant connection with God, the water of his word poured into us so that we're not dry, we're, we're connected. It's essential for our growth to be connected in Him. So in this passage, we're actually going to get to our passage now uh, that He's given us. It's there to help us to better understand what it truly means to abide. And as I researched this over the past couple of weeks and looked at it, uh, there's some excellent teaching out there on this. And there is some very bad teaching on this as well. And my prayer is this morning that this will be a very good teaching on this. I don't want it to be bad. So this passage has some definitions right up front given to us. Think of this, if you will. If you're a note taker, write these down. The vine is Jesus Christ himself. The vine dresser, the gardener, if you will, is the father. The fruit-bearing branches are us as believers. The non-fruit-bearing branches is us as pruned believers. So abide in, relationship, connection, remaining, Him abiding in us, us abiding in Him. So last week in our study, in chapter 14, Jesus said to His disciples, the last phrase that we have there, He says, Arise, let us go from here. Pretty straightforward. Where they are, they're now leaving, they're going somewhere else. So they left the place referred to as the upper room. They walked down through the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. They may have passed through vineyards on their way, this journey to the garden. They may have. That may have been some of what compelled Jesus to teach what he teaches here in this manner, maybe. But it may have been that walking by the temple... And Herod's temple at that time had a symbolic golden vine on it representing Israel. It was a symbol of Israel, this golden vine. But if Israel was a fruitful nation, this would have been an accurate depiction, this, this vine up there. But Israel was not at this point. 
they were stuck in Judaism. They were stuck in religion and religiosity. In order to have a right relationship with God, they felt it must be done their way. We know from our studies in this that, yes, God had given them His law, and then they just added to it. We're going to take this law and just add a whole bunch of other things to it to make it very difficult uh, you know, to, uh, to be successful in your walk with the Lord. So they required things that they themselves, the, the lawgivers, couldn't even keep themselves, and they were demanding that of the people as well. So in order to be right with God, you were required to strictly follow all of their rules and regulations. We've seen that as we've gone through the book of John so far. It was a religion of works. That was representative of their vine. Then Jesus says here what? I am the true vine. Now this is another I am statement of Jesus. We've seen six of those so far. This is the seventh one. I am the true vine. Only this true vine would lead to producing fruit. The true vine, which is Jesus Christ, is the only thing that leads to producing true fruit. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, it says in verse 1. So Christ is speaking here. He's saying that He is the vine, but not just a vine, but the true vine. The nation of Israel saw themselves as the vine. If there was a true representation of God's true vine, they thought it was themselves. With all the rules and regulations that they required, their whole religious system. And Jesus says to His disciples, the eleven boys, no matter what you think, no matter what you have been taught by others up to this point, I am the true vine. It's me. As we saw in John chapter 14, verse 6, the verse we're all familiar with, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and no one gets to the Father except through Him. So in order to be connected to God, you have to be connected to Jesus. You have to be connected to the vine. Jesus is that vine, the only true vine. This verse also says that the Father is what? The vine dresser, the gardener. The work that the Father does to produce fruit originates with the Son, uh, Jesus, the true vine. So Jesus has done that work in the life of His disciples here up to this point. But He's leaving soon. He, he won't be with them physically much longer. But He promised them what? As we saw in our study of chapter 14, He's going to send a helper. He's going to spend, send the Holy Spirit to them to accomplish His work in the branches. We're the branches, right? <laughs> you get that? I'm a, I'm a tree, okay? <laughs> Vine, branches. Keep that picture in your mind. Or not. <laughs> Verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more, more fruit. Are you, am I, if we take an honest evaluation of ourselves, an honest assessment, are we a fruit-bearing branch? We're branches because we're in Christ, in the vine. Are we a fruit-bearing branch? A key to this verse and this whole passage is the first four words that we see in this verse. Every branch in me. 
What's he alluding to there? If you're a branch, you're in me. It gets back to that guarantee, that being sealed, right? You are my branch. And now he's going to go on and explain and give us more in-depth look at what it means to be that branch. So don't look at this and you see, oh, here's a here's a bad branch. Let's just get rid of it and throw it in the fire. That that means you lose your salvation. Don't look at it that way. Don't even look at it from the standpoint of unbelievers. This is referring to branches that are in the vine, so therefore they belong to Him. Okay. So this message is for us believers, right at, in our face, between the eyes, whatever you want to, uh, whatever analogy you want to use. It is for us. So every branch in me says what? That does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So the inference here is what? That we are already in him, right? As branches. That you're already a branch that is connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. So in our text today, this message is for us as believers but not just that, because there is the question that has to be asked, are you connected to the vine? Are you a branch that's in the vine? So that's a question before all of us as well. Are we in relationship with Him? Are we connected to Him, the, the true vine? Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's speaking to the disciples here, and He's saying, you're already a part of me. That's what he's saying. My disciples, you belong to me already. That's a given. It's a promise. My saving work is not yet completed. I haven't gone to the cross yet, but soon it will be, and you are mine. And I want to encourage you in this. Verse 4, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So the success of yours and my fruitfulness depends entirely upon staying connected to, abiding in, continuing to stay connected, continuing to abide in the true vine. And then He will bear fruit through us. You can't bear fruit on your own. We've all tried that, haven't we? We've all tried to bear fruit out of the flesh. It's, it's almost like being a fruit tree in your backyard and you walk up and you hear it going, <laughs> grunting, trying to make its own fruit, right? It happens naturally, right? Because that's the way God designed it. It happens because there's water, there's nutrients that come out of the soil that go up through the, the vine or the trunk out to the branches that allow it to blossom and actually make fruit, right? Without that happening, you got this bare branch going, you know, just not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. So the only successful way to be a fruit-producing Christian is to stay connected to the vine, to abide in the vine so that the true vine can produce fruit through us. It comes down to this, total reliance upon the vine. Where does a branch get its nourishment? Through and from the vine. Where does a branch get its water? Through and from the vine. So the very life of the branch is totally dependent upon the vine. 
if it doesn't stay connected, but abiding in, if it says, eh, I think I'm just going to break off and go over here and do my own thing, you know, goes down, it's laying on the ground, I'm dying here. <laughs> I, got no, I got no water, I got no nutrients, I got nothing to feed me so that I can stay alive. It's dependent upon the vine. The branch will begin to wither, it begins to die out, and it needs to be pruned. So, in us, we need to be cut back every once in a while, don't we? We need to be pruned. We're rooted in, we're a part of the vine, and as we grow, we start to what? Branch out. And we start to do things, we start to do works, some for the Lord and some not for the Lord. The ones that are not for the Lord, that are done out of the flesh, that's an ugly branch. It's a branch that the Lord doesn't want representing Him. So what does He have to do? Cut it off. Get rid of it. Because it's not a fruit-producing branch. So He'll cut it back. And I just think this analogy is so cool because the strongest point of the branch is where? Where it connects to the vine. So sometimes He has to cut us back to that, the basics, the, the essentials of our Christian walk to get us back to that place of being grounded in, connected to the vine itself, right? Taking us back to childlike faith. Taking us back to that place where we go, yeah, wait a minute. It is, it is all about Jesus. <laughs> Forgot that for a little while. Thought it was about me, you know? He needs to take us back to that place where we're attached to and very close to the vine itself. The part or parts of the branch that is not producing fruit because it's no longer depending upon the vine, it's pruned, it's, it's removed. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. That's all they're good for. It's dead wood. Uh, how many of you have a fireplace with real wood or a wood stove? It doesn't always work real well to throw green living wood into the fireplace, does it? It burns better if it's dead, right? So these are branches that are just dead. They're dried out. They're good for nothing, for no good thing. They won't produce fruit. They're, just, they're dead. So anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. These are... Those branches that are a part of us that aren't fruit producing. He wants us to be fruit producers. So this passage is focused on the fruitfulness in the life of the believer. There is a message of salvation in it, but it's really more about sanctification. Remember last week we talked about this, that salvation is an event, sanctification is a process. Salvation is an event. It's a point in time where we became connected to the vine, where we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior for our sins. It was an event marked in time that that happened. Again, many of us know exactly when that happened. But from that point on then, it's a sanctification process. Salvation itself is not a process. It happens and we're saved. Sanctification, however, takes time. It, it takes time for that to take place. And it's going to continue to take place till the time we're actually with the Lord. So to comfort you, to encourage you this morning, you can expect a whole lot more pruning in your life. 
You encouraged by that? We should be, even though it sounds painful, doesn't it? Snip, snip, you know, saw, whatever. It doesn't sound like it's a very comfortable process, but we've all been through it, and it's painful at times. But it's necessary to draw us what? Closer back to a dependency upon the vine. So it's speaking of those who are already attached to the vine, belonging to the vine, is speaking of the fruitful and unfruitful things. Is what we are doing, is what we are saying, is it coming from and through the vine? Is the vine directing that, or is it just us acting out of our flesh? Is it ourselves, you know, branches working alone? You know, it's like, um, it's time for another episode of The Lone Branch. You know, it's a sad story, isn't it? The lone branch out there trying to do its own thing, and there's no fruit that's going to come out of it. It's a waste of time, a literal waste of time. So when we're out there trying to do it on our own, in our own way, and in our own strength, we're not relying upon the vine or abiding in the vine. It doesn't mean that he's left us, does it? We're still a part of the vine, but we're out there on the edge trying to do our own thing, and one of them needs cut off, and another one, whatever, to draw us closer back to that dependency and that reliance upon the vine. He says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, that kind of sounds like a bold statement when you first read it because it's like, you'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. As long as it's in keeping with the, what the vine wants, right? It's not like we can just ask for anything. You guys know me. I want a Corvette. I do. I will admit it. I want a Corvette. I'm probably not going to get one. Why? It will take me farther and farther away from the vine. Quicker, quickly, at a, at a high rate of speed away from the vine. So I don't need that. I don't need it. Do I want it? Yes. But what's being talked about here is that our desires align with the vine's desires. That as he prunes us back and we're closer to him, closer connected to him, our desires line up with his. Or he wants. And we start... It changes everything about us. Our prayer life changes, right? I'm no longer praying for a Corvette. I'm praying that God would remove it from the person that had No. <laughs> I'm praying for the things that would represent the fruit of the Spirit, aren't I? If, if I go to the Lord and pray, Lord, as I uh, encourage you all the time, Lord, this day, on this very day, used me to impact the life of somebody else where I can either encourage them in you or encourage them to you for the first time. Praying that prayer, is the Lord going to say, no, nah, I don't want to do that. No, he's not, because that's in keeping with what the vine wants. He wants to use us to produce fruit. So we're staying in him, staying connected to him for that very purpose. So then all that the branch desires us is in agreement with what the vine desires as well. And the result of that, it will be done. If we're in line with what the vine wants, we're keeping with the direction the vine is leading, it will be done. He's going to do that work. So it comes down to, you might want to write this down if you're a note taker, relationship with 
connection to abiding in the true vine. Relationship with, connection to, and abiding in. Anytime as a branch that we try to produce fruit outside of the true vine means that we are trying to be what? The vine ourselves. That's the role of the vine. And we start saying, I could be a vine. <laughs> I'm just going to break off over here and land in the ground and I'm going to wind up being a vine. No, you're going to die. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're not going to produce any fruit because you need to stay in the vine to accomplish that. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So the Father, the vine dresser, what's he want? He wants fruit producers, doesn't he? Not fruit inspectors. See, because we have those in churches as well, don't we? Those well-meaning believers that want to be fruit inspectors. Your fruit's not as good as my fruit. I think what you have is bad fruit. I don't like your fruit at all. Quite frankly, I'm amazed that you even have any fruit. And any fruit that you produce will not be good fruit because you're just not a fruit produce, producer. And I know because I'm a fruit inspector. Bad branch, right? Getting away from the vine, losing our focus, not connected to. He alone does the inspections. Let's let God, the vine dresser, the gardener, do the inspections. And if you think about this, it kind of only makes sense, doesn't it? God, who created everything, and I might say that I think he did a pretty good job. You know, it seems, everything seems to work okay, right? Till we try to be something we're not supposed to be. But we look around us, we look at nature, it's beautiful, things grow. He, he's got it all figured out, doesn't he? And he's the gardener. He's in charge. He created it. So he's the one that's going to care for it as well. So if he's going to start inspecting our fruit, it's coming from a place he knows whether it's good fruit or not, doesn't he? He alone determines the type of fruit that's produced, and he alone determines the amount of fruit that's produced. Look at that verse again. The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. He doesn't want us to just, you know, one peach or whatever. He wants fruit. He wants much fruit in our lives. Not just fruit every once in a while. He wants a consistent production of fruit off of, our, off of us as branches. So in all things, Jesus, the true vine, glorifies the Father. We've seen that throughout our study of John so far. Jesus is always, always about what? Glorifying the Father. And he says here that the Father is glorified when much fruit is produced in our lives. Now think about that for a second. That God uses us through the vine to produce some fruit. Let's say that fruit is just an encouragement to somebody else. We've encouraged someone in their walk with the Lord. And God himself is glorified in that. You think about that. You're like, me, this scrawny little branch produces fruit that the Father is glorified in. That blows me away. God's like, yeah, I'm glorified. Look at that fruit. Michael, get over here. Check this out. Fruit. Oh, look over there, though. <laughs> Bad fruit. The Father is glorified in that good fruit. And He wants to produce much fruit 
a lot of fruit, a whole lot of fruit in our lives. And that's the mark, that's the symbol, as we see in that verse, of a true disciple. A disciple of Jesus Christ is a fruit-bearing disciple, a fruit-bearing branch, one who bears or produces much fruit. And it can only be effectively produced by relationship with the vine, staying connected to the vine, abiding in the vine. Verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. He's cutting, cut and dried, very simple. What's he saying? You're a branch, I'm a vine, I love you, abide in my love. Stay in the vine, stay connected, stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The Father loves the Son with an everlasting love. We know that. The ultimate of all love. And the true vine, Jesus Christ, loves us with the same love that the Father has for Him. That same love carried through to us. And we're to, commanded to abide in that love. It doesn't mean His love will leave us when we're being disobedient. Thank God, right? Can I get an amen to that? Because, okay, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you here this morning, just outside chance, you know, that you may have possibly been disobedient this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I was too. Nothing comes to mind right now, but I know I was because I'm a sinner, okay? So we're to abide in His love as disciples. It, it means we're not recognizing His love for us when we're being disobedient. When we're trying to do it alone, we're not connected to His love. We're not in relationship with His love. We're not abiding, abiding in that love. We're just out trying to do it on our own, in our own flesh, right? So it's like we're saying this. I'm just going to go ahead and be disobedient in spite of the love that He has for me, in spite of the way that He cares for me, and in spite of the way that He provides for me. I think I'll just be, just be disobedient. That's really what it's like, right? Because we're, we're basically turning our back on the vine, regardless of that love, regardless of that helper, the Holy Spirit that He's given me to guide me and direct me, and He's saying, don't do that, don't go there, don't say that. I go, talk to the hand, I'm just going to go ahead and do my own thing. That's basically what we're doing, isn't it? And that's, that's sad. I say that knowing that it's sad in my life, and by the hands that were raised, I can see that it's sad in your life as well. Um, I'm not being critical. Well, yeah, I am. I'm being critical of all of us because we're sinners saved by grace, and He wants to do good through us and in us, and it's contingent upon us staying close to Him, staying close to the vine. We should want to be in a place of obedience because of His love for us. We should want to be obedient. And because of His love for us, we should be also repentant in our disobedience. Because of His love for us, we should show our love for Him. First rule would be be obedient. And then when we're not, would be what? Recognize that we've been disobedient and repent and ask Him for forgiveness and that love that's there pulls us back to that love, this scraggly little branch over here that hasn't been producing fruit, pulls us back closer to himself to work in us, to build us back up 
and encourage us in our walk with Him. He disciplines us to be obedient. And by staying close to Him, we are in a place of discipline with Him. To be, Isn't it interesting that discipline and disciple, the two words are just kind of right there together? Can't really separate them, can you? When we're not being obedient, when we're not recognizing or when we're recognizing that we haven't been obedient and repent and ask for forgiveness because of the love that He has for us. When we've been disobedient because of that relationship with Him, because we're connected to Him as the vine who loves us and we know ultimately He's the one that can forgive us, where should we go? Back to the vine, right? So we need to be in a constant state of relationship with the vine staying connected to the vine and abiding in the vine. And it brings with it a promise. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Staying connected to the vine, staying close to the vine as a branch, producing fruit for Him brings joy in our life. And then it says what? Your joy will be full. What is it to, be, to have full joy, full-on, 100% joy in our lives? By this, it says we can have it, right? To be fruit-producing for Him, staying in the love of the vine, gives Him joy, which through the vine travels through us and gives us joy, and we've got the joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. Amen? <laughs>